Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia InsureTech podcast. This is the only podcast in Asia focused on insurance that gives entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and investors a platform to discuss how technology is reshaping the insurance industry in Asia. Today, I'm joined by Lars Haibutsky, the CEO at Allianz Sayudaya General Insurance. Lars, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Thank you, Michael. Very, very happy to be here with you. Yeah, very well. How are you? I am super. We talked about it offline, but I'll say it online. Six weeks of, you know, isolating myself in the apartment. I'm not going crazy yet, but I feel like I could be getting close. <laughs> you're, still, you're still shaving? or I am, and I'm showering every morning, <laughs> and I'm putting on proper clothes, and I'm trying to make myself feel like a professional person. So I don't want to get out yeah. of that habit, right? Because I think you can get, I think it's dangerous to kind of fall into being in your pajamas all day. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, I'm also now working from home since uh, roughly same same period, five or six weeks. And I think it's every day it's important just, you know, still feeling like going to office or at least, you know, put on a proper photo shirt or so. Absolutely. <laughs> same, same. Look, let's jump right into this. What do you think is the biggest trend in insure tech in Thailand and by extension in the rest of Southeast Asia? Yeah, Michael, that's a good question. I mean, till a few weeks ago, I would have said uh, something on data, AI, whatever. I do think the biggest trend at the moment is COVID, the uh, the uh, um, impact of the COVID um, pandemic we are seeing, I think is having a massive impact on the industry and really accelerating things, particularly on the front end stuff. So customer interaction, customer engagement. And I think this will shape the industry a lot. Yeah, I want to get to that in a second, too. Let's back up a little bit and give the listeners a bit of your background for context. Yes. So as you uh, said, I'm the PNC CEO of our company in Thailand. So um, we have a quite sizable setup in Thailand with a life company as well as with a property and casualty company. Um, actually, we are in a merger situation. So Allianz made a strategic decision a little bit more than a year ago to um, bring two companies which we had there historically uh, together. Okay. Allianz Thailand General Insurance and uh, a local company called Sri Ayudhya General Insurance. Right, right, right. And those two have been legally merged uh, April uh, 1, uh, April 30 last year. Okay. And since then, we try to, you know, work things out in a country setup. And yeah, I'm the local CEO there since early January year. I'm in Asia now um, since a bit more than five years. So before I was in a role here in Singapore for a few years. Been around the world, many different markets, uh, digital transformation in Italy. I worked in Turkey for a number of years. So I'm a, a young boy. So I started in headquarters a bit more than 20 years ago. Oh, wow. I'm a, I, I do have a technology background. I never studied technology, but I like technology a lot. And uh, yeah, I think it's exciting times we are in. It's uh, probably more happening in the next five years in insurance than what we've seen in the last uh, yeah, 50 years. Yeah, probably. So that's me. <laughs> Do you want? That's a lot, right? Do you want to talk about COVID-19 right away? I mean, there's so many different ways that it's, it's going to impact the insurance business. Do you want to start maybe with the distribution channels? Yes, it's... I mean, the whole situation, of course, is, is very uh, is very impactful, um, and there's a lot of short-term, you know, uh, things happening. I do think it will have a a strong strategic impact, particularly on on distribution, as you say. So, what we do see, we see more traffic for uh, direct to consumer propositions for our traditional channels like agency. Um, uh, we do see there's much more demand for digital platforms, which we have up and running. So sales tools, also the regulators are more open to really 
sell uh, directly end-to-end -end, uh, without any VAT signature. And I do think the COVID situation is just, you know, removing some of the roadblocks we've been facing in the industry in the last few years, whereas sometimes the industry is quite conservative. And I, I must say in the last few weeks, a lot of things happened and uh, this will definitely shape up the industry a lot. So what do you think about this whole concept of digital transformation, right? So Allianz has been, at least historically, has built all of their own technology, not all of it, but a lot of their own technology internally, right? Like how does Allianz Discover come into play, particularly when you're talking about the impact it's going to have on agents at scale? You're very right. Um, historically, we had the approach, and we do have the approach to do a lot of technology in now. So there's an internal vertical called Allianz Technology, where particularly core system functionalities are also some peripherals. We do have certain capabilities um, uh, with uh, external providers, like also Allianz Discover has some functionalities in which were developed um, uh, outside the group. I think that's exactly the, I would uh, I call it peripheral approach we need to have where we bring in the right technology to our distribution partners and just see, you know, how we can improve existing process. And that's where your point on digital transformation comes in. I mean, at the end, you know, many years ago, a few years ago, digital was about like, okay, let's, you know, put a tool in place and just give it to the agents and let's get going. And I think that's not digital transformation, but digital transformation really is about to rethink the existing process. So what's the way the agents are selling today and also empower them and give them the right support. Um, they can continue their, their, their business in the, in the new world and the new normal. Is there a place for, look, I come out, like, I think I told you this when we were offline, but I come out of a Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley background. And, you know, both of those companies had very large tech budgets. We built a lot of stuff internally, but every now and then where there was a market-facing or trading application, we would potentially go externally and we would try to figure out what are the stuff we should build internally and what, what are the parts of the stack that we can just buy externally and just get great service on and maybe have it built faster or cheaper. And when I look at digital transformation in the insurance space, right, a lot of this is getting driven by insurtechs. Are there components you think that insurtechs, at least in the short to medium term, can build faster, better, pick your favorite word, that are more ripe for this type of transformation? Definitely, definitely, fully agree. So that's exactly also the discussion we're having. I think um, you can, of course, you can mobilize internally, but then uh, if you have smaller setups, um, you can move much faster. And there's good capabilities out there. I mean, also in, in Thailand or in the region, we have discussions with you know, certain partners. I think what is important now, where also the industry is maturing more and more, you have standard interfaces via APIs, you see how you can integrate. We have an in-house API standard called Sizzle where, you know, partners can plug in. And that's, I think that's quite exciting. So what has the agent kind of response been? A lot, I think a lot of agents and a lot of sort of salespeople, whether they're insurance related or non-insurance related, sometimes get nervous when they think technology is going to replace them. I'm kind of of the mind that your best agents and your best salespeople love technology because it gives them superpowers, right? It, it allows them to remember things they can't remember. It gives them access to products that maybe that are sophisticated and all the details associated with it. But I'm not on the ground anymore. I'm curious what the response is when, particularly in a time like this, where it's kind of clear that things are, this digital transformation is going to accelerate. We have to today because people are not meeting face-to-face -face anymore. What is the agent reaction to all this stuff? Overall positive. I mean, uh, the COVID situation at the end forces change. Um, I would say we've been in Asia very lucky with the agent networks, particularly on the live side with the, so this Allianz Discover uh, platform we launched in 
Taiwan in 2016, so that's been running since four years, and then we rolled out regionally, brought it also to Thailand. We had an uptake adoption rate of close to uh, 80% till recently, and uh, this, I mean, with the crisis now, this will go up to 200% soon. Of course, it depends, you know, on, on the specific age and what's the, what's the age, what's the background. Younger people are more open, but also the interesting piece is a lot of uh, agents with uh, huge working experience are very open to that. And then same thing on the PNC side. I mean, in, in Thailand, often the setup is you have captive life agents, which on the PNC side are more more open. So they have a broker license and operate with two or three providers. And I mean, all of them are very, very open to, you know, and particularly in times like now to to change the process. I mean, everybody at the end wants to survive and wants to come out as a winner in the, in the new normal, which we will see. You bring up a really good point, actually, and who knows what that new normal is going to look like. And we can talk about that in a second as well, because I'm not sure. But when I look at the landscape of technological development and digital transformation in some of the other industries, right, you had companies like Kayak and Expedia, and these companies come out and do sort of price consolidation, price comparison, excuse me. They built a platform over the rest of the providers, right, to do that digital distribution. And then they moved into sales. Do you see that happening as well? Just one overriding platform or two or three of them, maybe, and then feeding product through that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, if you look at InsureTech, there's massive attention on the distribution part, which of course is the exciting one. Commissions are high, like in Thailand, non-life, very rich, 40%, up to 40%, uh, life also super high. And that's, I think that's the easy part. Yeah, So to go in there with a broker proposition, a platform proposition, I think... If, if we had such a platform, it really needs to work seamless yeah? because you don't want to just go on another aggregator or no, no, no. you know um, price comparison thing. And then you click on the link and you end up on another insurance page. At the end, what I, I believe will, what needs to happen is the end-to-end stack. So the customer experience end-to-end needs to work and not just for the purchasing part or information part, also for the servicing part later on. Yeah? Right, so, right, right. Uh, claims, yeah, it's it's super critical, particularly on PNC. Yeah? So for motor insurance, I mean, you touch, you see a customer apart from the renewal, you see a customer on average every six to eight years. That's that's what the frequency is like. And then on claims, you need to have a, a, a super good experience, and that's why I think it's there's probably a play beyond pure, you know, uh, platform, pure distribution. The the service part is, is so so important. And that's why I think it's it's not clear how, how in the end it will look like. Yeah, it's not clear to me either, right? And that's why I kind of brought up those price comparison sites, because a lot of them grew into things like Traveloka, right? They start with price comparison, and they think, wait a second, if we can deal with the customer directly, I mean, even at GDS, right, these global distribution systems in the airline industry are kind of like that, right, where they consolidate all the pricing and all the power into one place, it allows the airlines then to do load management and all these other things that they may not have been able to do before because the GDS maintains all that data. It's good and it's bad, right? But from a service perspective, if the claim is bad, if any part of that customer service perspective is bad or creates friction, that's a problem, right? Absolutely agree. That's a problem. And that's, I think, what needs to happen in the industry in the next few years. So the one who really can build up a seamless end-to-end experience. So the whole stack, and then also still be open on the distribution part to you know go via third-party platforms. I think that's that's one who will be successful. Yeah, um, and there's I mean there's so much potential. If you look at the Thai PNC market, so we have a in the market we have a combined ratio of roughly uh, 100 percent. 
Loss ratio is roughly 60%, expense ratio, so distribution internal is 40% for the whole market. That's If you look at other industries, I mean, it's a perfect case for disruption, right? right? Now, the question is, is it pure distribution play? So you take out the commissions and you have somebody to aggregate it, and then, you know, they will you will have the carriers, the providers below, and they will plug in with APIs. I don't know. I have a big question mark. Is it more like an end-to-end solution? For sure, there will be consolidation in the market because like to do all this technology stuff, it's hard to see that uh, 60 uh, companies, particularly the mid-size and smaller ones, will, will uh, continue to do that. So it's, I think there's a lot of question marks, but um, yeah, that's, that's on my earlier comment at exciting times and you will see a lot of change in the next few years. This is another really interesting point you bring up, right? I believe you said 60, but I think there, and I think you're right, there are 60, 70 licenses in Thailand, or broker licenses, I think, in Thailand. I can't remember the exact number, but after having this discussion with the OIC, it seems clear to me that they want consolidation as well, because they're not giving out any new licenses. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's also our understanding. Um, there's, a, I think, an opportunity to... I would say enhance customer experience yeah. and particularly also I would say make insurance over time even more affordable. The question is also from a distribution point of view, how do you go to the you know emerging uh, middle class with different distribution models? Um, I think that's where we'll go. But again, I mean a lot of question marks, a lot of uncertainty, and that's where as industry, both traditional players as well as insurtechs, we need to work that through. Yeah. yeah, and I always look at the insurtechs and try to figure out are they building products or are they building businesses, if that makes a certain amount of sense? And I'm wondering, like you said, if there's going to be consolidation in the insured tech space or in the small company space as well. And now is kind of a bad time, right? Because COVID has made raising money harder. It's made doing client acquisition harder. It's just made everything harder, right? And I wonder, particularly in a place where time is really money for the insured techs, do you feel like they're going to be sustainable over time? And I know it's a big question, but or do you think they're just going to get acquired or, or die? Like, what is the impact of all this? That's yeah, that's that, that's a good question. Um, we uh, see uh, Asia CEO team. We were actually last year in September in Silicon Valley and some, some discussions there with VCs just to get a little bit of feeling uh, of what, what is happening in the valley. And uh, like one one point was one. Uh, chart which was shared with us was like, you know, the amount of venture capital which is around, which has been invested. So there was like a time series comparison early 90s till now. Right. And I mean, what you see now is certainly not at the level where things were at the end of the 90s, early 2000s, but it's still at a, at a high level. And you right. have a good point. I mean, with the crisis now, things uh, may try up a bit, but then on the other hand, you know, interest rates are so low, so every investor will look for returns and maybe right. there's still a lot of cheap money around. So um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say um, uh, the, you will see a lot of companies dying. I mean, you will see some consolidation, you will see change. For sure, COVID will bring structural changes also in the, in the startup scene. Things will structurally change. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to, right? I mean, I look at, I do worry about, you know, we just saw Koala yesterday or today announce that they raised a $13.5 million Series A round out of Indonesia, but they must have been working on that for the past six months, right? That wasn't a conversation that was had last week or two weeks ago. And I wonder what that funding roadmap is going to look like going forward. But we don't know, but I'm just curious from your perspective. You said you went to Silicon Valley to talk to the VCs there. Do the incumbent companies like Allianz in Thailand and in the rest of the region have an ongoing conversation with the venture capitalists here as well to see what they're seeing? There's Because there's been a lot of flow into insure tech money, right? 
the trip to Silicon Valley or yeah. also some of the discussions we have in Asia is at the end knowledge uh, sharing. So I found it personally super inspiring to see what is happening there in the Valley and also discuss with not just people from the finance side, also with startups, you know, what trends are they working on? Because as incumbents, as you know, if you sit in a corporate and I'm like CEO, I mean, you sit there, try to move and sometimes you need to get input from outside. While on the other hand, you have a lot of startups and uh, often there is, I would say, um, less deep industry experience. And that's where I feel always very inspired if there's exchange and, you know, you come together and then you see what you can do together. Yeah, and how to figure that out. I mean, I always like to keep up on these conversations, particularly in spaces where I'm not operating every day so I can continue to learn. You, you mentioned something earlier about customer engagement. And at some level, do you believe that that engagement is related to Market penetration, right? I mean, market penetration for all types of insurance, except maybe motor, right? I think because it's a different category and it's mandatory for having a car, you have to have insurance. Is customer engagement important today, particularly in a digital format where it wasn't that important before where it was face-to-face? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very important. The issue for insurance is, of course, there's, you know, not so many touch points. It's right. not a sex. It's not a sexy product. I don't know about you, but typically, you know, on Saturday night, I don't think about, oh, let's get a red wine. Let's, you know, sit down and you'll know, check out the next, uh, <laughs> the next uh, home uh, owner's policy I'll buy. So it's not a sexy product. I guess that's where you uh, and, and I are different because that's what I'm doing. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, okay. <laughs> and that's uh, and I think that's where historically the role of the insurance agent came in or right. in bank distribution, the bank RM helps. Now, if you think about a more digital model, you need to think through engagement. So I think there's in younger generation, of course, you know, informs online and wants to see some content there. And you see a lot of focus also in Thailand moving in this direction. Like if you look at guys like TQM Srikung, of course, they are super active on this whole customer engagement part on with social platforms and, and other things. And then still at the right point, once the lead is warm, then, you know, personal touches coming in. Now the question is with COVID and with all the transformation now, how this will look like in the future. I personally believe there will be always a role for the agent, um, but it will be more like tech-enabled, technology-enabled. And uh, yeah, you need to have engagement, you need to have content there, and then probably also product structures may change. I mean, discussions we have in-house is to enrich our property and casualty products with more services. Um, as you know, we are a global leader on roadside assistance, so that's a good product. But there's also other assistance services, and even roadside, I mean, you can, you know, now with technology, think about uh, totally, uh, totally different models. Um, you can apply this assistance service also in the in the health space. So we have nursing services and stuff like this. So that's that's where I feel there. You know, there need to be new models for for customer engagement where technology can help a lot. Very different from the past where you know customer buys a policy and then you forget about it and. ADS down the road, once you have a claim, you <laughs> talk to your agent. Otherwise, every year, you know, he just collects the bill. Yeah, so I think it was somebody in Allianz in, um, in Indonesia that I was talking to who said that Allianz is doing some actually quite innovative things when it comes to customer engagement, whether that's giving out prizes to customers or having movie nights for customers. And I think this roadside assistance is actually an interesting model, right? Because if you're already insuring their car, why not take that part of the business where you're helping them when they're going to need insurance for their car, like when it breaks down? And there have to be other places you can do that. Yes, yes, fully agree. Um, also in the health space, that's something we're pursuing in Taiwan. So we have a community called um, Healthy Living. Right. Uh, so it's an online community. As you know, our life company is very much focused on health. 
And uh, so there's a lot of engagement, engagement activities there online and even some offline stuff and, you know, discussion with partners, even startups like GV, you know, uh, to do things together. And that's, I think that's where the, the journey will go. So also we want to make insurance or our brand, Allianz, Allianz, UDA much more um, touchable. Yeah. At the end, we, you know, want to protect or help our customers to protect their lives. Yeah, for sure. And can I just get back to this, the the penetration question, right? It's something I like to ask because everybody kind of has a different view on it. But what do you think are a few things that are going to increase the distribution? Or do we just have a generational problem so that kind of the older people have kind of made their decision that they're not going to buy more insurance, but that the younger people, it's going to be easier. They can do it on a mobile device. They have more touch points in their life where they understand risk mitigation. What's, what's your view on that? I think it will be different. So certainly there will be more bundling. And you see that particularly out of China with some of the platform stuff there where insurance at the end is tech to some other product. So I think for younger generations, it, it will be more bundling and insurance will be just sitting as one one component in there. The other thing, I mean, there's a huge need for, for education, for awareness. So that's right. the role the life agents, particularly in Asia, did in the in the last decades, uh, the same as also in the non-life side, the agents help a lot. And the question is, you know, how do you get this this awareness up in a, in a new world? Yeah? So yes, there's a role of, you know, younger and modern agents which use technology, but what are the means to get um, uh, awareness up? And then of course, uh, last but not least, you can think about bringing in insurance components and in, in, in broader platforms. Yeah, you see that also in Thailand for some of the wallets. I mean, there's now, you know, um, uh, initiatives going on to have next to the uh, wallet uh, features, also uh, insurance features. And I think that's that's interesting. Yeah, particularly the digital payment wallets, right? Like it would be super cool if I pay for something digitally and I get the option right away, you know, opt, opt in obviously to be able to insure that product at point of sale. Yes, totally agree. I think about you buy online a mobile, a new mobile phone, right. and um, and you put it on loan, or you have you know whatever financing structure behind, and this and your phone is you know very important to use. At the same time, you get you know a free cover for this mobile for a few days, and then if you want to you know continue longer, you just keep it switched on. But you, again, it needs to be really fully integrated into the platform. Yeah, I think it's it's less sexy, particularly for the younger generation. It's like a paper-based thing and there's a separate link and you need to go somewhere. It needs to be seamless. And that's really, I think, the, the big the big opportunity is. I agree. One of the things I talk about a lot is friction. And in a lot of the things that I do, particularly when I'm trying to educate people, it's about removing that friction from them getting the information, but also removing, them, removing the friction from them getting the products that they want as well, right? So part of my goal is to educate people about what's going on in the industry. Because I believe, like you said, that engagement and education are going to be keys to getting penetration higher because most people don't even know it's a possibility. And if they do, they don't understand what it is. So you have to cover both of those things, right? The first is discovery. What is that product? And the second thing is how does it work, right? Yes, yes, to to totally agree. So one of the last things I want to ask you is you have all these relationships with venture capitalists. It's a great way to get information. Does Allianz itself run kind of like a labs business where – they do their own development, meaning that they'll work with startups or invest in startups externally and then try to give them a place to do a proof of concept internally. Some of the other large incumbents are doing that. Yeah, um, we have um, a structure out of Munich called um, Allianz X. So that's a large uh, fund uh, where we participate. 
it's on the startups. I mean, we had in the past, we had um, attempts to do things in-house, but at the end, uh, I think we all realized it's, you need to give freedom. I mean, the, the success of startups are, they are, you know, free and they can move fast. They can try and they can fail. So via Alliance X, we are participating and there are some, uh, some, yeah, some interesting cases there. I mean, Lemonade, we are anchor shareholder from the very beginning. Got it. Also, some of the uh, fintech banks, um, and even in Asia, here certain certain pieces, and that's interesting. Also, just you know, again, to be in a community to learn and then to see, you know, what can we apply in the product context for our, I would say, mature business, which we need to transform yeah, and also bring to in the future into the future. Got it. So the last thing I will ask you is, when you're dealing with startups at scale, right? What recommendations would you have for them? to better interact with incumbent companies like you and just some of the other larger companies in the industry? First thing is you can get a lot of experience out of the industry. And uh, I find it always very fruitful when I interact with, with startups, also startups at scale, um, you know, in the discussions, so really the experience sharing. So I, I would really recommend go open-minded, you know, towards corporates and try to do things. Then on the other hand, uh, once you, you know we have interaction with corporates and 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 startups, startups at scale, it's I I often feel there's naturally a bit of disappointment <laughs> on the startup side because you know corporates you know they have their environment, their framework, they cannot move fast, and I think so. What 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 I see there with also things we did in Thailand, it's it's important to really team up. You know, small clear scope, clear focus strong senior sponsorship and agree on something and then move. So we made good experience on that. Uh, I do believe it's very, very fruitful to have a very active interface between startup and, and, and corporate. And I think for both worlds, there will be a, a good future. And I think it will converge uh, more and more into a coming future. I agree. Look, I really want to thank you for doing this today. This was a really interesting discussion for me. Lars Haibutsky, the CEO at Allianz Ayuda General Insurance in Thailand. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Michael, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thank you.